0: Welcome everyone to another supplemental episode of the 602 Club. I warned you it was going to be busy this month. We have so much that's happened geek-wise and we're uh we're broadcasting live. Well, at least we're recording live from Kunlun. So I hope you can hear us. Uh the portal seems to be open, I think. Daniel, does it I mean
1: does it look open to you? I, I don't know. I see a
0: bird flying through.
1: Well, there's a lot of birds, um, and they just kind of fly around. They don't really do much. But, you know, the the, the portal only stays open for an X amount of specified time, but um, it could close at any moment, I guess is my point. So we should probably, uh, you know.
0: Yeah, get to it. Yeah, Yeah. we should get to it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, we're excited to be here. We're going to be talking about uh, the latest season of the Marvel Netflix series that has just come out recently, Iron Fist, and uh, I'm excited to do that. Before we do that, of course, you can find all the shows here on Trek FM at Facebook.com slash Trek FM. We're a feature provider there. Make sure you check us out. Uh, You can give us a star rating and review when you're there. And I just want to say a quick shout out to somebody who had actually gone and done that. Um, And and I think you're really going to enjoy this name, Daniel. But uh, the latest reviewer is from Fishburp. Oh, nice. Which, what a great name. And they they gave us five stars, and they said the podcast is wonderful. So thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Uh, Definitely helps us do. We've got uh, 69 star ratings and reviews right now, and they're all five stars. So, wow. Thank you so much. It means a lot to us here at the network and to me personally. Uh, We're doing a review contest over on the Star Wars 602 Club special feed collection that's its own feed star wars the 602 collection uh, we're going to be giving away two copies of rogue one so if you would like to win one of those copies of rogue one uh, it's just coming out soon give us a star rating review over there and uh, you'll be entered to win which is fantastic uh, and you have two chances to win as well so thank you so much to everybody who's already gone over there and done that you can find us on Twitter at TrekFM, Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM, and of course, we have the listeners-only discussion group there on Facebook, which is at the Babel Conference. Just type Babel into the search field there on Facebook, and you'll find us. Or, if you're at the website at Trek.FM, just hit Discussion on the menu bar, and it'll bring you over there. Now, Daniel, we have been watching the, the all the Marvel shows. I mean, and this is the fourth one to have come out. And so... One, I wanted to ask you, because it, for me, it's, it's always interesting coming into these. Uh, what was your familiarity with, you know, Iron Fist in the first place? And um, what kind of ended up being your first impressions of this first season of this show?
1: So I, very little background history with Iron Fist. He's, he's definitely probably, one, I guess it's safe to say at least, one of the lesser known Marvel characters we've now gotten Certainly, as a standalone property at this point. Um, Most of the other ones I knew fairly well. Iron Fist, you know, like I, you know, I don't read the comics, but I follow the comics in ways, you know, I like the movies, I play the games, so I, you know, I've I've seen him around. I just wasn't exactly sure of his background and exactly what he was capable of doing. So I was also excited. I think I really researched him when they announced the Defenders because I knew what Jessica Jones was about. I knew what uh, Luke Cage was about, but. Iron Fist is was kind of more obscure. Um and then the early reviews started to come out of the show and I was a little uh a little discouraged. This is why mm-hmm. sometimes it's probably maybe better to stay away from the internet sometimes. But yeah. Uh so the first episode, you know, early impressions, I was like, Okay, a little slow, but uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. And then of course I'm sure we'll talk about the rest as yeah. time goes yeah.
0: on. Yeah, definitely. No, I'm I'm right there with you. Um I think anybody who's who's listened to the 602 Club at all, uh, and if you haven't, you know, I I know what we know of Marvel from movies, really. And I've read some comics. uh, Captain America is my favorite Marvel character. So I've read some of his comics, but on a whole, I'm not as familiar with the Marvel Universe as I am DC, you know, even if it's like, you know, C and D level type characters, you know, Um, and so. This is not one that I was overly familiar with. Uh, you know, I'd heard the name Iron Fist, but uh, I didn't really know the character. I didn't know where he was coming from. And, and for me, honestly, I found that kind of fun uh, about this. Uh, I go in blind in that way. And, you know, so what the show does or doesn't do is all on its own merit. You know, it, it I, I have no preconceptions or, you know thoughts about it other than well you know I've seen the other shows and I either liked or didn't like but you know each each one kind of ends up standing on its own too so it for me that's that's been a lot of fun I'm right there with you in that started watching this my wife and I watched the series together she she enjoys all of this stuff too and I, through I mean even episode six I think it was you're absolutely right. The show's very slow in the beginning. It it has a it's a it has a real slow ramp up. Uh luckily I can say this, it doesn't do the thing that I felt like Jessica Jones does where it crescendos in the middle and then just it's a downward slide to the end where you're just like it it, it feels uneven. This definitely continues to to ramp up all the way to the very end. Uh, and a final climax of the whole season, which I like. I think I think it's it works better for a show when you do that. So yeah, I, I would say if it if that this the, happens,
1: if the Netflix shows have one thing in common, it's pacing. It seems to be the mm-hmm. thing they can't nail down. Like even the best of them have issues with that. I don't know, and I know I'm pretty sure that the Defenders is on, is only a ten episode order. So maybe they're kind of trying to fix that by going to a little bit a mm. s- little bit shorter yeah. of a season. Um, Hopefully, hopefully that'll help because, um, like, a, like even the best of them have some issues with that. Maybe just cut off an episode or two, and you you might have it there.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent agree with you uh, that you know they they've set it at that thirteen episode mark, and I think you're one hundred percent right that each one of these series has at least one episode where you like you could have diluted that into, you know, a, a, another episode and cut it down by an episode or two and and really tightened up the series and made it better um I, and maybe maybe that just has to do with be when you're doing a whole C se- you know series arc at one time like they do uh maybe you just get a little too comfortable you know like you don't feel as stretched you know whereas like if you think of like episodic television uh you know even in the serialized shows like in the DC or whatever each episode has to do something to keep you invested, you know, for the next week. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, they're like, well, you're just binging it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so it just kind of feels like one long continuous thing instead of sometimes feeling that reward of watching that episode and being like, oh, man, I can't wait to get to the next one. You know, sometimes you just feel like, what happened in that episode that was important, you know? And, and so I absolutely agree with you there. And so... This is um yeah, it's been an interesting process looking for this and uh I'm I'm glad to hear I hadn't actually seen that, but I'm glad to hear that Defenders will only have ten episodes. I think that could really help the series. So Yeah. But- cool side note. Did some uh research just on the show. Iron Fist had been in development with Marvel Studios since two thousand. And originally they had hired Ray Park, Darth Maul himself, to star in the project. And it went through multiple directors and ultimately you know, didn't go anywhere. But my thought process is, dang, that would have been cool to have him really get to, to play this role and, and show off those skills that he has as a martial artist. I think that would have been fantastic.
1: Do you think he would have pulled off the frosted curly tips as well? I don't know. I don't know if he could do it. The martial arts certainly.
0: You know that is a fantastic question. Um, I don't know if uh,
1: Finn Jones even pulls off the frosted. (laughs) Does anybody? It's funny. My uh, my roommate. uh, I was watching the show and he comes in and he goes, "What?" What is, is this? A, is this is this guy from the nineties? What is going on here? And I'm like, yes. I mean, yes, technically it looks like yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> a Backstreet Boy reject. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is a great. Oh, I love that. That's a great observation. Oh, by the okay, way, okay, and, I, and I looked it up too. Um, it's actually eight episodes. The Defenders is only gonna oh, okay be eight episodes long. So there they we go. Sh- should hopefully even have less problems with that kind of stuff. But anyways,
0: man, that's good news. That's good news. I, I it, that means that what you need to do is is every single moment. That you spend on screen needs to be doing something important, and and honestly, I think you know that's the strength of when you do a, a series like this, uh, when you have a limited run, is that usually that's what helps. But it's always frustrated me that these Netflix Marvel shows seem to to not use that strength and create an actual weakness because they just add too much, and it's like maybe instead of always setting a specific episode, you know, guideline for each series, you should just write the number of episodes you need to tell whatever story it is you need to tell. So that could be six for one series. It could be eight for another series. Maybe it is 13 for another series. But don't limit yourself. Just make sure that you tell the story you need to tell. Does that make sense? Do you think that would work at all?
1: Well, I think it would, especially for the Netflix model. I mean, they're they're not beholden to anybody. They just... They have these properties that they can do. Like, obviously, Defenders is doing that. You know, they're taking it and they're like, no, we don't have enough for 13. Let's do what we have. And maybe, I don't know, it's probably more expensive getting all those people in there yeah. at the same time. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure budget is also a, a concern. But, uh, it, but still, it is nice to see that they're kind of taking that to heart. You know, we're four series in now and... Um, it's not always exactly the same problem, but it, it is this pacing issue that they they consistently have. So maybe they're they're learning from it and they're trying to to you know help grow these shows, which is great.
0: You, you really think you really think the rat I mean uh Mickey is having problems coughing up the dough? I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. Uh the mouse has plenty of money. Yeah, that's uh, but true. no, I actually I'm I'm sure that it is got to do something with that because when you do have that many stars together, uh the time and the money it takes to, to have all of those people together at one time probably does cost a lot more. Uh, and you're right that whatever it is they're going to be facing in the budget and everything for that, it's got to be astronomically bigger than any one of these shows together. So yeah, I think that probably has something to do with it. But And, I, do, and
1: I hope too, that they, they go all out with it, you know, like, Oh, like, yeah. Like you're saying, like eight huge, big, important episodes. Mm-hmm. Every episode is something that matters and has cool fights and these awesome sequences and stuff. And yeah, I know they can do it. They've obviously done it, you know, piecemeal between the shows. It's, I, so I, I think they can do it. Right.
0: I mean, this basically just needs to be the Avengers as a series. Essentially. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's what we're asking for. Right. So. Um, you know, one of the, the most interesting things uh, about this series for me was the characters. And and as it is with, I think, all of these Marvel series, it lives or dies by how you like the characters, especially when you're investing, you know, 13 solid hours of watching uh, the, these shows. And, uh, you know, any show is like that, but I think specifically when you kind of sit down and... and this whole binge culture that we have now, you know, if you're not really invested in those characters, it gets harder and harder to like let Netflix continue on to the next episode instead of being like, you know what? I'll just come back to that later. (laughs) And so, um, I, I really wanted to focus on, on them and, and, and kind of dive into them because this is for me and I'll just be straight up. For the most part, I kind of found the characters bland and kind of boring. And, and not not real engaging for me. And specifically, I'm pinning that on Finn Jones as Davy Rand. I, I think he's miscast as this billionaire Buddhist monk that, you know, finds his way home.
1: You know, I, I I've, he- I've heard I've heard this criticism and I don't even disagree with it. To me, it feels more like a writing failure, but I guess it could be an acting failure. I don't know. I, I don't like Danny Rand. Like,
0: Well, and it could be both, actually. It, it I could mean, be you a so, both.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, like, I don't like Danny Rand. You know, I get it. He's troubled. and He's had this traumatic past and stuff, but he's whiny and angry and complaining. I don't know. He, there's just like, not a lot redeeming so about him. So you're saying him. he's millennial? <laughs> I would not say that, but uh, <laughs> I know some people would, and uh, that's fine. You um, know, well, I don't know. That,
0: I, what's funny is we have the millennial on one side, yeah. and we have the Gen Xer on the other side. So
1: <laughs> on the podcast tonight, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So you know, I I get it. I I, I don't. It, there was never like a particular moment or a time or a conversation. I'm like, man, this guy just can't act. I I felt he portrayed what he was given consistently, but again, I can't really qualify that. I don't know. I just, he's too wishy-washy. He never knows what he wants. He's, he's just a poorly written character. You know, especially when we've had, you know, Daredevil, which was fantastic. And even both Luke and and Jessica were also super strong leads of those shows. And then you kind of had this, this milk toast, weak sauce kind of, you know, guy that just flounders around for 12 episodes, punching things essentially, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know whether to blame uh, Finn or to blame the writing, or both, like you say, but, uh, yeah, there is definitely something missing there, something that they had before that they've had in the past that they don't have now.
0: Yeah, I mean, as John Mayer would say, there is something that's missing here, and I don't know what it is to fix it, but it's it's definitely just not there with the character. And I think one of the things, and, and you kind of hit on something, you know, he's a character who... Let me put it this way. Okay, I've heard on other podcasts somebody say that Superman is kind of a dumb character who only tries to solve things with punching, which is completely untrue. But I do feel like that's exactly who Danny Rand is. Like, he has no other recourse other than to go punch something. Because one, that's his only superpower, uh, is, is a really strong punch. But two, it's like he doesn't have the intellectual capability to do anything else. Like, he... He has a hard time speaking uh, to anyone and then explaining himself, like uh, which is annoying, uh, especially at the very beginning, where all I was yelling at the TV for like three episodes was just, "Just tell them something that only you would know mm-hmm. that they oh, would yeah. know." Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. like, "How dumb are you?" Like, "Just say the thing that only you two would know, like the inside joke." Oh, I mean, right, you yeah. Freaking mm-hmm. grew up together. It's like. But he didn't have the intellectual capability to do that. Or the, again, I think you're absolutely right. It could just be, it feels like they drag out the writing and the pacing there. So it becomes this really frustrating thing.
1: There was this line, I think it was the last episode, the second to last episode, where Claire Temple, who, thank God she's everywhere in, in this mm-hmm. universe. Um, she says, Danny, you just can't, pu- there's just some things you can't punch, man. Like, yes. You just, you stop it. So, you know, and, and the thing, the problem that I have with the character, like, Half the time we're kind of taught like the he is he actually specifically states, you know, I I I lived in this monastery, worked, you know, and, and learned and studied for a decade or more, and I have complete emotional control. And like he, oh God. he has more emotional outbursts than any character that I could think of off the top of my head. Like this man that, like a five-year-old well he is yeah and and actually in one of the episodes madame gao's
0: temper tantrums
1: yeah yeah oh there it is that's exactly right and (laughs) madame gao says that to him she's like you're such a child man like what what are you doing and uh i guess it's part of his the thing is i can excuse it in my mind if i do mental gymnastics and i'm like yeah i get it he's you know his parents died when he was young but you shouldn't have to do that the writing should speak for itself and and when you're confused by it, and it's not written properly, it, you come across as this like obnoxious, under underdeveloped little kid character, and it's it's really hard to get behind that.
0: Well, and what's so interesting about it, and, and I think what hurts him as a character is that we've had characters like this before. Look, uh, Danny Rand is basically Batman and Arrow put together, mm-hmm. you know. And what's unfortunate for him as a character is that. Both of those characters are exponentially better than he is and much more interesting. You know, and I think about how Batman is able to deal with his parents' death and galvanize that into controlling his hatred and his fear and his rage and pouring that into what he becomes as Batman. That makes sense, right? You know, uh, Danny has spent his entire life, you know, uh, basically living in a monastery with monks. You know, and it's a weird thing, you know, kind of being tortured, half tortured, but turned basically into this monk warrior iron fist. But yet, you're absolutely right. He has he has no control over his emotions or anything else. Uh, And and it's like he's a really bad Jedi. He just, you know, he (laughs) he pressed all his emotions down, but he never found a way to have any kind of and it's just he becomes this explosive, selfish, self-indulgent character who you know, becomes this Iron Fist, then selfishly leaves Kun Lun open to attack to go home for some unknown reason because he's decided he doesn't want to be the Iron Fist anymore. Or, I mean, they never really explained that. And what could have been a really great story of, like right now in season three of Flash, Flash made a huge mistake of trying to change time and created Flashpoint, right? Right. And they're using this whole storyline to talk about how a hero recovers from making just an absorbently ridiculous, awful mistake, right? But this character, it's it's not written well enough to where you truly understand that kind of point of view or feel like there's that kind of arc. It It just feels very juvenile instead, instead of kind of an adult exploration of coming to terms with being an adult taking responsibility for your actions and none of that like he just none of that's here I don't feel like in the character of Danny Rand and part of that is that every time he like gets into his ragey place you know or something I didn't feel like Finn Jones played it in a it just kind of came off as like eh, mm-hmm. to me and that's where it felt like the acting just wasn't living up and it's like I feel like if he had had a better actor, and I don't know who could have done this, and again, this has nothing to do with, um, you know, what had been complained about with, you know, are they whitewashing the character or anything, even though the character's white in the comics, um, you know, uh, just find the best actor to portray the emotional turmoil that you have here, and I don't think he was able to do that, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, and, to, and the thing is, his motivation is never clear, and I yes, guess... Yes, exactly! You know, it's it's like... A good, I don't know, third, mid third of the a series is like, if not more than that, two thirds of the series is like him trying to, well, you are the, you are the Iron Fist and you, you're supposed to be just feeding the hand. And then he's like, no, I'm Danny Rand or am I the Iron Fist? And, and like, in like, in a, in a good context and, and proper writing, that could be a really interesting kind of,
0: yes, yes. you know,
1: back and forth and, and even like the, the, fi- the final moment in the final battle half works for me it doesn't completely hit the nail on the head because the the setup doesn't isn't done properly right but i'm like okay now i get it now he gets it you know but the leading up to that and everything else is just like i don't know what he what is he supposed to be doing he he's just right getting right. mad at everybody and then like yelling about not being this or being this or having trouble i, I like i don't know what is the whole point of this story? I it, it, you know, I just didn't understand it for for a good chunk of the sh- of the show.
0: I think you're absolutely correct to call that out because understanding character motivation is so important to plugging into a character and to the story. And I think you're absolutely right there's this frustration with understanding the motivations of a lot of the characters in the storyline and it never feels sufficiently explained on a lot of different levels. And it's it, it felt more like they just kind of threw it at you and it's like, oh, you remember the hand and, you know, all this stuff. Okay, yeah, I mean, I remember the hand from then, but, you know, how it all connects and why everybody is doing what they're doing is so important to really get across on screen. And I don't feel like, look, I don't need things spoon-fed to me. I, I can intuit, right? But for majority of this, I couldn't really intuit Anything that Danny Rand was supposed to be doing or what he was supposed to be doing or what his calling was, or I mean none of that felt clear and and yes, I think it's it makes for an absolutely frustrating experience watching this show because I mean, I think you probably have the the bones here uh, of something that's really interesting, uh, especially when you're thinking of that dichotomy. Who am I? You know, what am I? Am I the Iron Fist? Am I Danny Rand? Or am I both? It's the right. same thing that like Superman has to deal with, with Clark Kent and Superman or Batman and Bruce Wayne or, you know, Arrow and Oliver Queen. And specifically they've been doing this big time this season for the fifth season of Arrow as they kind of wrap up the whole island and being away flashbacks. And they're really dealing with like, who is this character? And they've, they've been kind of slowly doing that the whole series you could have done that here and, and made it for a really interesting um, topic, I think, but you you just don't, and that's frustrating.
1: Yeah, I, just, I mean, I like at the end the idea. I mean, I think the idea is like he's going to f- forge his own version of the Iron Fist, like become his. You know, you can do both, and like, I guess, I think, but I'm not even sure that that was the intention of the writing or the point of the story. So I, I'm even after just finishing it, it's like, okay. All right, so uh, what what was the lesson supposed to be learned? What was the point? And then, of course, the ending, which I'm I'm sure we'll touch on later, uh, leaves a whole other set of questions as well. So, but,
0: Yeah, okay. no, absolutely. Uh, now, I do have to say, you know, character-wise, uh, somebody that I, I felt very invested in, I really enjoyed her story. At the beginning, it was a little unclear, but I felt like she had a much more interesting storyline to walk through, and that was Colleen Ling. hmm
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm
0: and Jessica Henwick. And one, she's fantastic. She's a great actress. And I felt really plugged into her character, really enjoyed watching her on screen. She's very good at the fight scenes that they have her do. And I could never tell when it was her or maybe a stunt double. I thought she was just wonderful. And I just, I had so much more fun watching her storyline than I ever did Danny's. Honestly.
1: Yeah. She's, She's amazing. She's definitely one of the highlights of the show. Um, and I don't know, and I assume maybe you don't either at this point, but I don't know her, her comic history or, or what's going on with her, but I certainly hope that we, well, obviously we'll get a little bit more of her, but I hope that we get a lot more of her because she, yeah, she's tremendously more interesting than Danny. And honestly, I, if they were true to that character, I don't know that she'd put up with this nonsense all the time, but, uh, yeah, she's she's great. I really like her.
0: Uh, yeah. And I and I you know, I kind of of get that they're two somewhat emotionally damaged people mm-hmm. in a lot of ways that are finding a way to understand one another, you know. And I personally in my life and I think anybody can attest to especially when you have somebody uh, in a romantic sense that you feel like understands you in a way that maybe other people don't, there is that connection and there's there's more forgiveness there because you can understand the reasons of why somebody would be doing something and it's not that they mean to, it's just because they necessarily can't help it and you kind of get that. And so I, I understand that that's what they're going for in this relationship and I think that's fine. Uh, it is just frustrating to me that her character arc and what she's going through is so much stronger and much more well laid out than Danny's, the main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that whenever she was on screen, I was like, okay, I want to keep watching this. Uh, and when she wasn't on screen, I was never as invested. And so hopefully, if you know if they continue this series and they do this Iron Fist season two, I would want them to write Danny as well as they wrote colleen yeah Mm -hmm. so and i again jessa henwick was is just fantastic she was in uh, the force awakens actually too as one of the pilots and
1: she was in something else nerdy i can't remember what but uh it's not really important yeah Yeah,
0: she's she's just what and and what i i think that she brings uh is kind of a vitality to this series which mm-hmm. is really helpful uh she's in Game of Thrones that's Game the Thrones. other thing that's that you're good. thinking yeah. of uh but yeah she just really does she, she brings something where I think what she does is she makes something in this relatable right because like let's talk about the Meacham kids I, both of those characters are really boring to me oh really oh that's yeah, interesting I I I was that's a not interested yeah I was not interested in them personally at all Now, let me preface by saying I thought it was interesting that Ward became the character that made the turn towards Danny, and and then Joy becomes the character who makes the turn, so they do that reversal. That was semi-interesting, but I don't feel like they really gave... Let me put it this way. Joy definitely gets the short end of the stick because by the end of the season... And she makes that major turn. Spoiler yeah, alert! Here, crazy. I was like, "That came out of nowhere." Yep. <laughs> that like, what are you doing? That doesn't make any sense. You haven't given us any indication that that's who this character is. Now, I could see her in the next season going that way. Right. But to say at the end of the series that she's already made that turn, no, you haven't set that up. That's
1: awful writing. I. Uh, it was terrible. I. It was literally. Uh, the worst part about this show with, with hands down like the craziest like she hadn't even shown an ounce of anger towards Danny About like this situation at all like blaming him or anything like that
0: They and hadn't even been on screen that much no. together at that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like four really? episodes
1: or something like yes. that Yeah. <laughs> In I, I I was like astonished I'm like because sitting across from her is a character that we don't get a lot of but has an arc that makes sense like that he goes to this place and and wants to eliminate Danny, and then she's just like, "Yeah, I'm in." What you are? Why are you all of a sudden in? You just like left the whole situation because your father turned on him. Like, wh- why are you all of a sudden now? Whatever. I, I I was very upset about that. I thought I it was totally yeah. undeserved. You're absolutely right. They could do that in the next season, and it would make sense, and that would be fine. But where she was, no indication at all. No indication.
0: No, and I mean. And that's what was frustrating because, you know, at least for Ward, he I think he becomes a little bit more interesting of a character, especially the moment he goes, you know, full on Dexter with his dad, uh, you know, and and goes through that whole experience like they just give him more so you understand where he's going and why look, Joy could get to that point. You just needed to give me that indication throughout the series that that's what was going to happen and write it in a way that make that makes sense. You know, y- you feel like where Ward ends up makes sense. Where Joy ends up, you're just like,
1: uh, okay? Yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but I will say this, and this is why I was surpri- surprised to hear you say that. I think Ward's journey and this, and this season is one of the more interesting characters that I've seen, you know, not just on, on Netflix, Marvel, but in recent history. I really, really enjoyed his character, what he went through because it's to me, the grayest of grayscales. Uh, you know, his arc kind of weaves between, is he a good guy? Is he not? Do you root for him or do you not? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. you said, he literally straights up, kills his, kills his dad. Yeah. Uh, and and at the end you're you're still not sure um like next season mm-hmm. like if i said matthew tell me what you think is going to happen with that character next season i, I don't know i, I it could be yeah go, it's it, wide open it could yeah. go in either direction like this and it's really interesting for me that, that like he's done some terribly awful things and he's done some really decent things and like to me i, I still want to root for him yeah, i I, yeah. I want to see him become a better mm-hmm. person i want to like, when they had the the shot of his portrait on the wall with Danny's portrait on the wall. Like, that's yep, cool. Yep, and I hope yep. that they, I know writers tend to, I, I kind of feel like writers tend to, to do the whole history repeats itself thing. So I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's more likely that maybe he'll make him a bad guy. I would be way more interested in seeing him as a good guy yep. trying to deal with himself yep. and, and the problems that he has. I was, I was, in the beginning I didn't, I thought he was kind of dull, but as soon as the stuff started ramping up, man, he's, he is my favorite character on that show by far.
0: I think I think you have a really good point uh, and and I tend to agree with you that he becomes somebody who's more interesting. Uh, I think what was frustrating is at the beginning and and where I the, the kind of boredom with them came is that they were not writing them dynamically enough when they were having their scenes together that I was really it's just kind of bored basically yeah. mm-hmm. so uh, and it didn't help that you know for joy she continued to kind of be like that for the most part. Um, She had, uh, I mean, I I liked that she tried to, she started to have this way of finding herself, you know, and realizing, you know, what she was good at and all that kind of stuff. That stuff was kind of interesting, but it was the end that just kind of ruins it for me. But you're absolutely right with him. He is a character that you're like, I kind of want to root for him for the next season. Like I want him to like find a way out of the mire and the muck that Mm -hmm. he had found it, like literally found himself in dumping his dead dad, you know, (laughs) or supposed dead dad. Yeah. Literally in the swamp, you know, (laughs) uh, I want to drain the swamp with (laughs) working. Okay.
1: (laughs) And and the thing is too, is like uh, the, he's so relatable too, because you, I mean, this is a man who has endured, years and years of abuse at the hands of his father. And mm-hmm. you, yeah, you, you're absolutely you sympathize right. with that. You're like, man, like, yeah, he's screwed up, but it's not really all his fault. And of course you have decisions to make. And and, and that's, where the, that's where the struggle is and the and int- the interesting characteristics come to play. Like he makes poor decisions all the time. And then he'll go and he'll do something like he gets it, you know, and but he's just stuck in it and he can't get out. And it's like, yes. This just came
0: to mind that Ward and... Danny both have the same thing. And it's this kind of like overlording father figure controlling what they do mm-hmm. and trying to find a way to break out of that. So it's like a massive thirteen episode arc of daddy issues. Yeah, that's true. You know, because you know, Danny has the monks, you know, of Kan Lun doing that that fatherly, like, this is who you are, this is what you will be, and you know. Ward has had that same exact thing with his you know, supposed dead dad in his ear telling him what to do all of his life. And they've each had this same experience and they're having to break out of that to find out who they actually are for themselves. I think they do that so much more successfully with Ward than they do Danny because they never yes. really... They never give you... An, and this is where I think with Danny you would have really been helped. If the show had started... With Danny and Kun Lun. So, you had any care about Kun Lun and his experience there that it would mean something that he had left. Because at the end of the series, again, spoiler alert, if you're listening to this, I don't know why you are if you haven't watched <laughs> the show, but you know, you get that whole thing where it's been destroyed and you're like, okay, so I don't, I mean, why do I really care? Nobody's told me why I should care about Kun Lun. So, if you had just started the show in a lot of the ways where Arrow started with, him on the island, you know, and we're telling those stories side by side. Like, honestly, just Jack Arrow's storytelling structure. <laughs> I think it would have made for a much better show uh, because I would have then at least cared about what happens and, and what's going on. And I think I would have had a much better understanding of Danny Rand as a character where I get that with Ward Beecham.
1: Yeah, you know, totally, totally. And the thing is, too, is it's, I think it's probably way easier to do it like you said, if you actually showed it, of course, you're going to get that that kind of urge to care about it. But but with Ward, you actually you you have a personification. You have that actual yep. figure. Yep. And with Danny, it's all you know, he's already nebulous enough and all this stuff. And it's like it's not helping the character that you're that you have this person with confused motivations. And then you don't really show why one side is confused. It seems quite simple to us what what he should be doing a lot of the times and then he just goes and punches things again and you're like you just keep messing it up Danny stop doing that yes you know
0: yes well and and just think about this okay so Davos that's a character to which we would have had much more connection with as well if we had under if we'd had some backstory but he just kind of comes in like mid season and we're not giving enough background structure or understanding for me to truly care about him like And his his character arc is that, because of that, so kind of blasé, classic, like, oh, I've been betrayed by the person who was supposed to be my friend that I'm really jealous of. And I was just like, blah, 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 blah. You know, like, how many times have we seen this, and especially even in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where this kind of thing has happened? Y- you needed to, to make him a fully realized character and not one that's flat. There's no dynamicism to Davos. And that's frustrating, I think, because if you had given us the backstory, he would have been a dynamic character. And and I think it lended more credibility to that part of the story and made it, you feel something, you know? Like, you would have then felt his pain more so. Right. Otherwise, I am, I think especially somebody who doesn't know the comics or anything like that. I'm just having to intuit what they tell me in this story, and there's just not quite enough for that character.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, I liked the Davos character. I, he was flat, for sure. Um, and I think he would have been served if they had thrown, thrown him in a few episodes earlier. Um, yes. So we got that connection. But he serves the point in the story, and I think essentially he's probably more of a setup for the future things mm-hmm. going on than, yeah. than anything else. Yeah, you just you just, you just get anger and then really angry from him. And that's that's pretty much it. So, you know, he keeps saying that they're brothers, but like you say, we've never seen that. So, okay, I mean, it's nice that you tell us that, but it would be better if you just showed it and then we wouldn't have to, you know, go through all of this.
0: Always show, don't tell. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it, it works in, in film. So, in the, and I felt kind of the same way with uh, Bakuto. Yeah. I, he... You know, he and he just does his thing, but I don't find him generally all that interesting. Um,
1: he, he's disarming. Um, yeah, obviously he comes. He's the guy that comes across as the good guy first, and then clearly has ulterior motivations. I'm actually more interested in, in did he live, and if he did or if he didn't, it doesn't really matter. What is his relationship with Madame Ga- Madame Gao? Because
0: yep, yeah, that's I t- yeah.
1: I feel like she has been behind the whole thing. And I don't. It's, it's never shown that way, but. I'm curious about what that fallout would be because he seems much more pawnish than um, mm-hmm. than anything else. So I don't know. I guess we would, we'll have to see in the future. But there's I, I, no, nothing grabbed me about his character. Um, yeah. Yeah. There was nothing really exciting going on there.
0: No, I I, I agree with you too. Um, you know, I, I like, and this is a both and. I really like that Claire Temple is in the story, but then I don't at the same point because there is a point. To which, like she helps out for a while, but then I feel like they just kind of lose her, and and why she's really there, like, uh, and so it is it, it for me. Like I love Rosaria Dawson, and I love the care, I love the character of Claire Temple. I think she's one of the better characters in all of these Marvel, uh, you know, Netflix shows. But I felt like they tried to put her in maybe too much of the show. And um, I was talking about this with friend of the show, John Mills. And he was saying, you know, when she beats up Madame Gow's guys... Yeah, that was ridiculous. ...really takes away, mm-hmm. like, how cool and good, like, well, her people should be. And the fact that the Iron Fist can beat them up, too. Like,
1: yeah. what? I, I like what they did at the end. That they showed her being trained and stuff. So that maybe, you know, in, in the future, she could potentially defend herself against, you know, stuff, which is cool. I like that. I agree. There actually are, are a couple points in this story that they have real problems with that. Um, like you just mentioned, the fact that she had just... It was like the first time at the dojo and she had like... Or the second time or whatever and she had just practiced a few things. And now she can beat up these supposedly trained awesome assassin ninja people.
0: No, I don't... But well, she has those Wolverine claws on oh, her hands, yeah. you know. I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't buy it. You know... If she, like, tricked one into something, it would be fine. But she was, like, hand-to-hand combatant with this person. And uh, I don't know. They do this a lot in shows. It's like they don't ever respect the scale of skill that these characters are supposed to have. Um, Like, even at the end battle, when it was, Mm -hmm. like... If your main character, your main, uh, sorry, antagonist, is a boardroom billionaire business guy. Just showing him, you know boxing against a boxing uh, a boxing bag once isn't going to make me think that he can now punch out punch the iron fist quote unquote the iron fist because we're told how great Danny Rand is I don't understand why this devolves into a fist fight when it's very clear uh, this is why Superman never fights Lex Luthor hand to hand right because it would be stupid it would make no yeah, sense
0: unless he's in his battle unless armor he's in a Rand. battle suit and yeah. then
1: okay yeah that makes sense no you just don't have so they do this all the time and I and I hate when they do that but that's yeah, well, I mean, 100%. it's why
0: the Joker and Batman never go fisticuffs, exactly. yeah. you know, because it's it not just about doesn't. Yeah. yeah, no, it's yeah. not. You're absolutely right. No, I think you're 100 percent right. And and I think, uh, you know, it, it leads me to uh, David Wenham, who, you know, I've loved since he was in The Lord of the Rings. He's been in so many other things. Uh, he uh, plays Faramir in Lord of the Rings, if oh. you're wondering. Know, cool. uh, but, you know, with Harold Meacham, I mean, he's interesting somewhat. Mm-hmm. But the problem is he's also a big cliche mm-hmm. as a villain. And I think he relishes in playing that mustache twirlingness to him, but he's a little bit too mustache twirling to be interesting, if you ask me.
1: Yeah. Uh I don't disagree with you. He he I think he was generally scary sometimes. I think he can pull that off pretty oh. well.
0: Oh no, I completely agree. I mean, the, definitely there are times when you're like this guy is kind of just pure evil and he enjoys yeah, it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, the character of Harold Meacham. Yeah. Uh, and the thing that they keep doing this too, and you already mentioned, you know, they've done it in Arrow. Um, Batman has versions of it too, where like you're, you're like connecting events with today, like so intertwining it with what happened years and years and years ago. I don't know. I I get it, but I'm, like you say, it's just a cliche. Of course he's going to, he's going to come back and whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever. Yeah. Mean.
0: No, I think you're right. You know, the whole, the whole thing that, that their his, uh, like evilness, I guess, goes all the way back to when him and Danny's father first started the company and, you know, they're standing on top of the building and he's like, I thought maybe if I threw him over the yep. edge and you're like, Re- okay, I guess maybe you're just legitimately a psychopath, and that's what you're trying to say. But if if you're just a psychopath, you're even less interesting as a psychopath than the Joker is. You Stereo. know, as a character, you're just you're just what you're doing is you're creating a character who again is not a damn dynamic. He's flat because he only has one modus operandi, which is to be evil.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. And
0: you never give me uh, any kind of understanding, like. I never feel like he really loves his kids. Uh, I feel like it's always a lie. You know, I feel like he kind of is the Ducat of this. You know, (laughs) he doesn't really love his kids. He just, he he tells people what they want to hear so that he can get what he wants from them. And so, yeah, it's definitely a frustration for me uh, for the show. And it becomes kind of one of those things where it's like, it's another Marvel villain that's just not all that interesting.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. The the show has, like, three separate villains, and none of them are the main villain. Like, Harold is villainous and does villainy things, but isn't the main threat until the last episode, which also felt kind of flat to me. Like... Okay, now we know he killed your parents, but there's still this whole other group of people. I mean, I guess they feel screwed right. now, but they keep moving the goalpost. You know, you know, first it's Gao and then it's Bakudo and now it's Meacham But it's not like Meacham was behind it the whole time or anything like that. It, yeah, it yeah. just feels like again, Danny Rand just goes in and punches whatever he feels is responsible for his problems at the moment, and you know, not having a compelling thing to f- punch, I guess, would is a pretty big problem for the for the show. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly.
0: You need a compelling reason to punch. Well, and I think that that brings us kind of just the whole plot and premise of the show, and we've mentioned it here. You know, Danny Rand returns to New York after being gone and presumed dead for 15 years. Uh, and, well, there's there's already been a show on the air for five years now called Arrow, where a character was supposedly dead and then came back And so this feels very familiar and I don't necessarily think that this show is as successful in making me care about the main character, but also specifically making me understand his motivations as a character as even Arrow was in its first season for diving into you know why Oliver returned and who he is and his struggles and everything and making that truly really interesting and like helping me root for the guy who isn't really always the hero cuz Danny's not always the hero right cuz he's what we learned from the end of this series this series here this this first season is that Danny's made a huge mistake Michael <laughs> I mean <laughs> and that huge mistake is, is that he did leave Kun Lun and that leaving destroyed something that's obviously important. Now, I don't know what that is or why it's important because they never told me in the show. But what I get is that he made a huge mistake and maybe if he had done this a different way, like leaving Kun Lun when the gate wasn't open. Yeah. Um, you know, leaving as it's about to close and not putting it at risk, he could have come back and done all this. But he has made a huge mistake. But it, it I don't, I don't feel like that they ever truly live up to the premise of the show, and really, I just it doesn't feel as fleshed out as it needs to be for me to be fully invested in what's happening.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. Lun doesn't seem to matter that much. Um, I, until it does. Until it does, right? And then, of course, it's—I oh, don't think it's destroyed because it's just not there. It's gone. So I don't know if they used a shrink ray or they teleported it somewhere <laughs> or who knows. You know what? Maybe it's in that big hole in the ground that we saw at the end of Daredevil season two.
0: Oh, maybe. Um, maybe that's where they were trying to get. It was yeah. the tunnel the Kunlon instead of <laughs> you know
1: like. <laughs> I don't know. It seems it's in hard.
0: another dimension though. I thought so. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Either. That's the other thing. Like, I don't really understand what it is or where it is or why it is or any of that. All I kind of heard is that it's something like heaven. But yeah. Apparently not really heaven because Danny Rand got the hell beat out of him and made into the Iron Fist. I don't know if that... I,
1: that's not what I think of as heaven. What about you, Daniel? I mean... Well, it's it's very uh, pretty, apparently, and there are um, um, young martial art. Mistresses that bathe sometimes. I oh, okay. guess. I don't okay. Okay. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just. Yeah. Kidding. I mean, that's what we've like, heard from. That's a... literally the only description that we're given yeah. of, of, <laughs> of Kunlun. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah. It's. I agree with you. Like it's. It, a lot of it too feels like setup and kind of carry on forward with what we've seen before already. Like this hand stuff. Obviously, Madame guy was a returning character, mm-hmm. and. uh the the whole drug stuff and all of that is being carried over which is cool I like that uh, but again we're dealing with the iron fist right now and what did he accomplish and was it worth it or whatever I guess we'll see but it seems unlikely to me like you said he's he seems to have made a huge mistake and screwed over a whole bunch of people just to come home for a reason he didn't even know he had and I don't know I Again, it's it's the writing is so unclear on a lot of this stuff mm. that it's it is frustrating. It's a, it's a it's not like you're frustrated the whole time, but like you're just like, where are we going with this? What's the right. direction well, and, we're headed?
0: And when you think about it too, and what we talked about at the beginning with the pacing and everything, look, you have 13 episodes to disseminate this information, and there are episodes where I really felt like you could have shortened things up, tightened things up, or excised altogether and done something else this is where i think like flashback episodes might have helped or something uh or just start the season in that flashback time uh so that you know you can move forward and give us some more information about why and what's important and who these main players are especially with uh, you know the K'un-Lun aspect and everything, and none of that really happens and and then you know there are some interesting things throughout the ser- and all these series have these things too, but you know one of the things was uh and uh I heard uh John Mills talking about this on on another show the idea of you know you have the the aspect of people that are thrown into you know mental institutions. And seen as crazy, even though they're not uh, you know that's an interesting aspect, and I think there's something kind of interesting they're trying to say there, but it never really comes to fruition i don't think i don't think they truly flesh that out enough. you know there's the whole idea about how and they talked about this i was I was just reading it up on the show, you know they were talking about this whole idea of uh, uh Jeff Loeb was saying how that um you know the you you have this whole 1% of people right that control so much and how their actions impact like whether or not it's you know this whole epidemic of the heroin they introduce and all that kind of stuff but again that i mean that you could read that in there but it it's never it's never done well enough to actually make any kind of good commentary i think and so it's just like i think the whole plot and premise of the show what I end up with is kind of a blase comic book show because it never is transcending the material. It's never, and it's never really challenging me because nothing is really above kind of most of the cliches that we get kind of all tied up together in a thing called the Iron Fist.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I agree completely. It's just, there's, uh, and I I feel like we've been kind of harsh it's it's not the best, and there are serious problems with it. There, are, it's not unenjoyable though. Um, it, it gets no, long in the tooth. Not. Um, and and we'll get into some of the positives of, of it, but mm-hmm. yeah, it is, it is a frustrating thing when you feel like like I'm in six episodes into this show. What is going on? Like, where's yes. this going? Yep, yep, what, yep. what is going to happen? I because it just seems okay. Now we're doing an episode. Uh, you know, in a mental institution. And now we're doing a a fight, uh, a cage fight episode. And now we're, you know, it's like, I don't understand what this has to do with any of the stuff that I'm supposed to care about. And it's just, sometimes it, it can get frustrating.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And a lot of those things never fully tie in as well as they should have. And so you're, yeah, you're right. Um, talking about fight scenes and cage fighting, um, how did you think the fight scenes uh, lived up to what we've seen before? Because we've had some pretty ridiculously sweet things happen in, this sh- uh, in these Marvel shows. You know, when it comes to fight scenes, you know, I think of the Daredevil hallway scene, things like that, that happen, And you're just like, oh, my gosh, that was incredible work. Did anything here for you in Iron Fist kind of live up or you're just
1: like, oh, my God, when it happened? <laughs> Here's my thing about it. There wasn't enough Iron Fisting. Now, now saying that out loud, I realize that's probably not the best way to phrase it. Let me uh, re- redo that. Um, that sounds like a different show. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, let me try to say it this way. He was not the Iron Fist enough. Like, if your, if your thing is that you can become this immortal weapon and your, your fist becomes indestructible and you can punch through all sorts of things. I mean, it only happens a half a dozen times throughout the whole show. Um, and, then, of course, they do this cliche thing. They do the Spider-Man 2 thing where oh you don't you know you're not you don't feel like the iron fist so you're just you're not the iron fist and like every other you're just impotent yeah exactly (laughs) so every other episode feels like he he can't do his thing and that's so frustrating because that's his thing man like let him do it you know i don't know but to answer your question there are some cool action set pieces here uh i think I still got to say that uh, Daredevil 1, I think, season 1, uh, holds, the, holds mm-hmm. the top spot yeah. as far as action's concerned. Um, like you mentioned, there's good stuff in Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, but those characters don't really have f- finesse in the same way that Daredevil and Iron Fist are do or s- are supposed to. Right. So it's more just like punching through things and throwing big, heavy things and stuff like that. Um, there's some good choreography in here. There's some really good fight scenes. Like you mentioned Colleen in the cage fight and that's good stuff. That's really cool. Uh
0: a lot of her fight scenes are actually the best in this show.
1: Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Um and there's, and there's a lot of mixed stuff as well. There's like uh there's weapon fights and stuff like that, sword battles and they 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 do mix it up, you know. And really at the end is the first time that they really Kind of acknowledge that their guns are a thing, so maybe we should worry about that, which is kind of funny to me. Can't punch a gun? Yeah, I guess not. Um, but apparently, he can. No, but a, he can block yes. one with his hand, <laughs> yeah. with his fist. Yeah, which also seems he's
0: like Wonder Woman without the bracelets, apparently, <laughs> but did. only with one hand because the other hand doesn't light up.
1: Yeah, what? What? Uh, why? Why doesn't that happen? I don't understand. I don't. I don't know either. Why? why not,
0: have to hi, Why have to fight with one hand behind your back? Because I he's
1: mean, not iron fists. <laughs> um that's that's the next one so. it just didn't sound right <laughs> on the title iron fists <laughs> um yeah again i do wish there was more of that going on because there are cool sequences with it like when he does it and it's uh, you know this specific, specifically i'm thinking of the last episode when he punches like basically a whole floor out of a yeah a, yes that was a really manhattan cool. tower and that was awesome. And that's the, it's been seen in the trailer. So it's not anything anybody hasn't seen, but.
0: Yeah, he doesn't need Thor's hammer. I mean, he's got his fist.
1: Oh, you know what? That That's interesting. I wonder what, what, happened what if would happen. What would happen if he hit it with his fist? If he yeah. punched Mjolnir or if he punched uh, Captain America's shield, would it the same effect happen from the first Avengers film? Oh yeah. Where
0: it just kind of blow him backwards because yeah, yeah. no, well, that's actually great. Yeah.
1: Let's see it. Let's make it happen. Marvel. We need to, we need to see some crossover uh, between there, the TV. Yes, that would be awesome.
0: would yeah. oh, be totally awesome. My favorite fight scene is the one with um, Bakudo and um, Colleen in the park at night Mm -hmm. when it's raining. That sword fight was wonderful. And when he breaks her sword and she kicks the sword into his leg, I was like, holy shnikes, that's awesome. (laughs) Like, that was the best move in the whole thing because it was so unexpected. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it really surprised me. And so, yeah. Honestly, I felt like her fight scenes were the best. Um, I actually thought, though, what was interesting to watch was the drunken fight scene match between him and the drunken master. Mm -hmm. That That was one where it was like, Danny has this fight style where it's so much more about using the other person's momentum against them, which is not flashy or showy. So it's not quite as is dynamic to watch but that was a place where him learning to be able to use the unexpected nature against the drunken master was pretty sweet Um, (laughs) when he he uh kicks i think it is he does he kick back or he throws back the the bottle at his face Yeah. yeah it was just awesome so yeah that was a There were some, there were some good things here and some good choreography. I just, you know, for being this ultimate fighter, uh, you know, he, I didn't feel like he got to show off enough of his ultimate fighting championship moves. Yeah,
1: I agree. He gets beat up a lot and it, you know, he's not invulnerable. He's not supposed to be, but he is supposed to be the best and, Sometimes he gets to short off, but it doesn't happen enough. And, and then, of course, he gets to unleash this weapon when the need calls for it. And, again, he s- spends most of the show complaining about how it's not working right or whatever. You know, he hasn't changed the light bulb in his fist or uh, it, whatever. he needs
0: to check his batteries or something. Yeah,
1: seriously, man. But um, Battery
0: chi, man. It's hard to get those batteries in New York.
1: I'm, I'm wondering, you know, in the inevitable first meeting of the Defenders... When Iron Fist punches Luke Cage, I'm kind of curious what's going to happen, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, Luke Cage is not
0: uh, invulnerable because, you know, those bullets that have that explosive power can get through his skin, so um, is the Iron Fist the same amount of power, which it looks like it. I mean, it it can burst through, uh, you know, a lot of things, solid steel door, Yeah, Yeah. you know, so, yeah. What did you think? This was interesting to me too. You know, uh, I and I really haven't paid too much attention to this in most of the shows. Uh, I, I think uh, in Luke Cage it was actually uh, the most noticeable because they used a lot of like uh, the music of of Harlem, mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. it was uh, jazz or hip hop or anything like that, to really create the sound of the show, which I thought worked so well. Uh, but this show, they go with this. Tron legacy like electronic sound i don't what did you think of that? Did it work for you for the show? because for me, I felt that it it didn't fit the nature of the show and and where you could have made this feel like basically it didn't fit with this is a kung fu show, right, so why don't we kind of make it feel like a kung fu movie or something and allow the music to kind of reflect that i I don't know i'd I didn't respond as well, I mean Tron Legacy's music is wonderful in that movie, but I don't know if it works for the Iron Fist.
1: You know it doesn't stand out to me honestly i didn't it didn't bother me, and I didn't love it, so I just kind of just kind of washed over me you know i I'm sure it was effective as what it was intended to do because again it it doesn't stick out in my mind. it was probably just enhancing what was there but i I didn't have a problem with it, but you know again, I couldn't. There was that one, you know, the um, the actual main theme of the show. I could probably hum for you, but the rest of it, and and you know, obviously they use that motif all the time throughout the show. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But I don't know, it it's something I'll forget in a week and never remember again. And and I think that's just kind yeah, of it. which is
0: which is so frustrating for for a comic book, like you know, that is the 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 most iconic thing about, say, Superman the movie mm-hmm. is the theme, right? Like that theme that just sticks in your head, and it, it, and of course it's John Williams, so he's creating something that that just is indelible to who that character is at that point. And to me, I I feel like you know if if you're doing it right, comic book movies or TV shows should have that theme. You know, I can think of like on TV, I can think of the Flash theme. You know, it has that kinetic energy it has that kinetic energy to it and da 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 You know, mm-hmm. uh, I can think of that. I can think of the arrow. Um, I can't really think of Supergirls as much because it's not as iconic and honestly, Legends of Tomorrow, I can actually think of that before I can think of Supergirl so that lets you know where, you know, again, creating something that Oddly represents the characters I think is important so I hope that they'll do that for the Defenders and really give them something kind of like the Avengers had that wonderful theme by Alan Silvestri which is probably the most memorable theme of all the Marvel music uh, so speaking of Defenders does this make you more or less more or less excited for that show or did it have any impact really for you
1: it, it does make me more excited for for Defenders for a lot of reasons, because a lot of the show deals with elements from all of the shows. Um, like we mentioned, you, you see Madame, Madame Gao, you see Claire Temple, and uh, who we didn't mention was carrie Ann Moss as uh, Hogarth, who's in the show as well. Mm,
0: yes, which I love her. Yeah. She was fantastic in this show.
1: She's great. I mean, she's great every time she shows well, she, up.
0: Yeah, I mean, she can do whatever she wants, and she's
1: awesome. Yeah, she's so... It's so... Her and Claire have kind of the same... It's appealed to me like they both cut through the BS that like all of these people that they're dealing yeah. with. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they just don't care about it. Like they don't have time for it. I've got to do my job and that's what's important. I don't care, mm-hmm. you know. But um, So I, for those reasons, because it's kind of a forward momentum already at this point, snowballing, you know. Um, and I am interested, somewhat interested in, you know, what is going to happen to Danny Rand. And, and we're not getting... Season 2 of Iron Fist before Defenders. So, presumably, we're going to get the follow-up to this story inside of Defenders. And that makes sense, because it deals with the hand. And that is kind of where they're going with this whole thing. That's, I assume, who they're going to be fighting in the Defenders. Um, so it is actually, in a way, setting up for the Defenders as well. And, you know what, if Danny Rand is going to be the, the weak link in, you know, this group of people... That includes Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage. That's fine. I'm okay with that. You know, if if you're going to have a, uh, somebody... Somebody's always going to be the weak link, and if he's the weak link, that's fine. And and I'm sure they'll find ways to... Oh, I hope they'll find ways to make him a little more interesting. You are the weakest link. Goodbye! <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. No, I, I'm actually right there with you. I, I'm excited to see the Defenders, because, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing all the characters together. Maybe hopefully, finally ending this hand threat. Because I'm tired of all these hands. It's just, I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, it, this actually doesn't have an impact on my excitement level for the Defenders. Uh, it's more just, okay, that happened, and and now I'm just ready to get to the main course at this point of seeing all of those characters together and what they've come up with for them. And yeah, we'll see where that goes. Um,
1: you know, one thing that we didn't mention, I just wanted to bring up real quick, and I don't know, how, you said you, you haven't read the comics already, and I haven't either, but I've looked up the history of the character. I, I believe, um, and they allude to this in the show, but they don't show it, which is my problem. He gets his power and that dragon tattoo from punching a dragon in the heart, I think is I think is how it works. Um, and they mention the dragon thing, but they do it as a joke and kind of in passing and kind of, and then they get the, the glowing red eyes. but. If that's gonna, if that's like the origin story of your character, and you don't show it, I mean, come on, that's that's kind of crazy. So I just wish they had actually shown that and gone totally off the walls. At this point, I mean, nothing should be off limits in the Marvel universe, honestly. Uh,
0: Well, and and especially since you know you really have transcended into the superpower area. You know, like this is a superpower. Right. It's it's not like you know you were manufactured this way or something, and so. I think that it would be great to actually see that. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely agree. And and I think that's something that's so interesting to me about just this the these shows in general and Marvel on TV because the the Agents of Shield really had a problem with this too is embracing the comic bookiness. You know, like And that's one of the things that I've loved about the DC shows. You started off in an area that was a a lot more realistic, you know, quotes there, realistic, with Arrow, right? Uh, It's much more grounded, and you've kind of worked your way into the fantastical, right? But even Arrow, you know, the moment you let in Flash, you start to have no problem with having uh, superpowers and uh, aliens and uh, magic and all this stuff. Like, you just embrace the fact that this is your universe you know and I feel like sometimes they are afraid to do that even on the it's like we're comic book fans we expect there to be fantastical weird crazy off-the-wall things it's okay you know for that to be there like and just embrace who you are and be okay with it. Right. And um, I'm hoping that by the time we get to the defenders here, that's really going to happen for the Marvel series, Netflix shows that we just fully embrace the comic bookiness of it all. Because I don't mind the fact that they tend to be darker, grittier, more dour versions. That doesn't bother me at all. I love that stuff. Um, But you can also do that and embrace comic bookiness at the same time. It's not an either or. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess, um, Man, if you have to rate this season, um, maybe maybe out of ten, so we have a pretty good leeway. Anyway, where do where do you go with this? do You think?
1: Oh man, that's a great question. If it's, you that's know,
0: that's why I mean, I keep telling people that's why I get paid nothing. Ask yeah. the big questions.
1: <laughs> um, out of ten, I would I would give it a five reluctantly i'd say probably five i'd give it i'd give it one reluctantly
0: crouched at the (laughs) starting line
1: one fist out of two i guess um you know it's it isn't bad by any means it's just frustrating and and isn't it doesn't have any clear goals and you know but there's some good stuff in there it's not like you, you know it's just sometimes you're gonna be okay what's going on what are we doing
0: yeah no, I think I think calling it average is is absolutely what it deserves. Yeah. It it's it's legitimately an average show. And that's frustrating because, you know, for the most part we have seen the Marvel Netflix shows kind of transcend average for the most part or at least be a little bit of above average, but I think this one is just right there. It's it's straight up, you know, a little below average or average. And, you know, it's funny. My wife said something to me and she's like, she looked at me and she goes, we don't have any more iron fist episodes, do we? And I was like, (laughs) no, it's over. She's like, isn't it kind of sad when you're kind of excited that you don't have a watch watch a show anymore? Like, (laughs) you know, and, and that's just kind of where she was coming from. And I understood what she was saying. It just, it, it wasn't making me excited to come back every episode and want to continue watching it, and that's a little bit frustrating, and that shouldn't happen. You know, when you have the opportunity, like we talked about earlier, to do whatever you want, to have no boundaries, Uh, you don't even have to have an episode limit. Your only episode limit should be your story structure. Uh, You should be creating just outlandish, amazing television. Um, But it's, it's just, it wasn't happening. So, yeah, I uh i'm still looking forward to the defenders and like you said there were some cool things in here i i i'm glad i watched it just because i enjoyed the colleen character Mm -hmm. so heck you know if that's the only reason you watch it because you want to be introduced to a really kick-ass female character uh who is uh, i mean i'm legitimately interested to see her back yeah, totally worth watching. And, of course, as we're moving to the Defenders, it's definitely worth watching at least once so you understand the story. So, yeah, absolutely. great to talk about here. Uh, thank you so much to our associate producers through Patreon. We've got Ken Tripp and Davis Grayson. They have been supporting this show for so long, and it, it's meant the world to me. And they do that through patreon.com slash Uh It's a huge network that we have here on Trek FM, and there's just absolutely no way that uh, we can make all that happen without the support of listeners just like you. And so go on over there to patreon.com. Every little bit helps every month. And so find out how uh, you can support us. Uh, and of course w- we love to give back to you if you do in lots of different ways. So again, check all that out at patreon.com slash Trek FM. Daniel, great to have you back uh, to, to talk some Marvel. I think we uh, really covered everything. You know, I, I'm, We were a little bit more critical than I would have wanted to be. I really wanted to like this show, uh, as I do all the shows that we talk about or movies. But um, I think we were constructive in our feedback, too. I think so. So uh, where can everybody find you, though, if they want to talk some more Iron Fist or what else you're up to online?
1: Oh, I'm, I'm all over the place. Uh, you can find me at uh, SETI Alpha 3 talking Star Trek. You can find me if you are a gamer on z to z if you're into Xbox gaming. And of course, if you want to talk Iron Fist with me, which I would love to do, you can find me on Twitter. My handle there is 1updan. That's the number one, not the word. Well, you
0: can find me on Twitter at MattRushing02. I'm also uh, on Instagram at MRushing. You can find me here on the Trek FM network doing The Orb with Chris Jones talking about Deep Space Nine. Uh, we hope to be back soon, so keep your fingers crossed that we'll be able to return. Uh, it all has to do with, um, you know, how Chris's recovery goes. So uh, keep those thoughts and prayers coming for him. You can also find me here on the network with... As we said at the beginning, Star Wars The 602 Club Collection. That's its own special feed, and so you can check that out on iTunes. I am on the Nerd Party Network with John Mills. I have mentioned him a few times. He is a genius. Make sure you check out our show, Aggressive Negotiations, where we talk about Star Wars each and every week. It's so much fun. We dive into the strangest little things, important things, silly things. uh, You name it, we're talking about it over there. Uh, And then I'm also doing Owl Post, the Harry Potter podcast with Drea Kaufman. And we are walking through each and every chapter of Harry Potter, one chapter at a time. It's a blast. We are having so much fun. We're actually almost done with the first book. And we're looking forward to soon diving into the Chamber of Secrets. So I hope you will check that out. Thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear?